Welcome to the RSP Campus to Canton podcast. It's been a little bit, you know, we, we, we took November off, essentially. I guess we were all getting ready for Thanksgiving, but joining me, um, you know, this week we've got Kyrie Demos, we've got Felix Sharp. You know, if you haven't caught Kyrie's work over at the RSP um, site, Towing the Line, there is a ton of prospects that he's looked at and provided a lot of video that I'm going to be tweeting out all NFL draft season long. And we're just going to, instead of talking about him week four and week five, I'm going to, you know, we'll, I'll be, I'll be repackaging some of this stuff because they're really nice work in terms of looking at the product, um, at the prospects at, you know, pretty much all the positions. And then of course, Felix doing the great work over at campus to Canton. We're going to talk a little bit about with him about the transfer portal and the madness is going on there. And we'll weigh in on that. We're going to talk about some players for the draft, you know, who we might bang the table for, who we may like more than we should, and who maybe we think we should like more, but we just can't. So, you know, getting started, Felix, why don't you take it away and tell us a little bit about some of the craziness that we're seeing with the transfer portal because of, you know, you know, the landscape of college football now. It is the landscape of college football. And if you want to kind of follow along on the players that have a fantasy impact in, in college football and obviously in, in subsequent drafts and check out the campus to Canton YouTube page. I'm putting out short vi videos as fast as I can on the major moves there. But when you look, I, the, the transfer portal has come become so ubiquitous, ubiquitous with college football. Um, I'm thinking about the NFL and the players who are impact players in the NFL and tra and, and transferred at some point. Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson from NC State to Wisconsin, even your boy, your boy Will Levis. Oh, man, I know that's not your boy, but Will Levis transferring from Penn State to uh, to Kentucky. Um, when we look at this draft class, the 2024 draft class, there are a ton of players uh, that have had a transfer in their history, or more than one. Trey Benson. Um, from Oregon to Florida State. Michael Penix Jr., one of my favorite players. Uh, Jaden Daniels, Jared Verse. Jared Verse was playing FCS football before uh, the defensive end there at Florida State before he transferred to Florida State. Caleb Williams, Devontez Walker. I mean, it's kind of almost expected Michael now. Sturdivant. Mike, Jay Michael Sturdivant. Michael Sturdivant, yeah. J. Michael Sturdivant from, I didn't realize he was draft eligible, from, going from Cal to uh, UCLA. Um, who's a, a damn good player. Um, Bo Nix. Bo, Bo Nix. Bo Nix. Yeah. Gary Bryant Jr. is his teammate there at, at Oregon. So uh, Treshawn Holden, uh, names that nobody cares about. But um, it, anyway, uh, but there have been some, even including tonight, Raheem Sanders, who before this year, uh, a lot of people regarded as one of the best running backs in college football, a six foot two, 240 pound. Uh, running back with a wide receiver background. He converted to running back uh, as he went to Arkansas. He entered the transfer portal. Cam Ward is probably the most coveted player, the quarterback out of Washington State who uh, played for a, a Mike Leach disciple at Incarnate Ward before transferring to Washington State. And now he's transferring uh, in the portal again. Ohio State could be potentially a landing spot for him. Cam Ward is good enough where he he could have a meteoric rise going into next season and be considered, you know, a first round uh, uh, 
uh, a first-round quarterback prospect. But other players, Deion Burks, a wide receiver out of Purdue, who was great after the catch, physical, explosive, out of Belleville, uh, Michigan, near the airport, near DTW. If you're listening, if you're listening to this, you know exactly where Belleville is. But uh, Antoine Wells, the wide receiver out of South Carolina, Matt, you may have uh, watched him because there was a chance that he was going to go to the Senior Bowl and all that this year. Yeah, I mean, he was a senior, wasn't he? But he's a redshirt. He player. is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He has senior. another. Yeah, he's 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 draft eligible. He was Senior Bowl eligible, but he was injured this year. Looks like he's coming back and he's going to enter the transfer portal. A Aiden Childs out of Oregon State. I got just two more names to say here. Aiden Childs out of Oregon State, who uh, was the backup for Lincoln Riley's true freshman, hot freshman quarterback, uh, backing up Caleb Williams. He spent some time backing up him before he went to Downey, California, Downey High School in, in California, and took, you know, took the starting job there. If he had started all four years, you know, he would have been uh, you know, a name that more people would, would know. He's right there with Cam Ward as far as being the best quarterback in the transfer portal. He might end up at Michigan State, Jonathan Smith, uh, Oregon State's uh, former head coach, now the new head coach at Michigan State. I mean, there are all of these moves that have ripple effects um, around the country, and it's just so exciting to watch, especially if you're playing in campus to Canton leagues, because the value and trajectory trajectory of these players, it is moving so substantially just in the last uh, two days. Kyle McCord at Ohio State, the starting quarterback, uh, just entered the transfer portal. So what's going to happen there? It's just like it's free. It's true free agency in college football. It's something that we don't really get to experience in the NFL because of franchise tags, because of how long contracts are, et cetera. So it's just a really exciting time did, in the college football did, space. Did I miss one? I thought I missed one because I thought I heard, saw you pleading on Twitter that this wouldn't happen. Uh, oh, oh, so uh, you know what? Elon Musk has messed up Twitter to where there are these people with blue check marks. They post something that looks authentic and – and it's it's not, but the one that was Dante Moore to Michigan that someone had posted. It was not uh, an authentic uh, report or news, but it makes sense. Um, Dante Moore is from he went to Detroit King. He supposedly wants to be closer to family. He was out in California. Now he wants to be closer to family. Michigan makes sense for him. We all hate Michigan's offense and Jim Harbaugh for quarterback development. We do just as a company. I would much rather see him go to Ohio State, where he can pass the ball on neutral game scripts and still, oh, instead of just hand. Well, yeah, okay. Well, see, now we have a true professional here talking about that after all this Michigan love and Ohio State hate throughout the past two years. And I'm from I'm from Michigan. That's what I'm I, saying. I grew up ni- 1998. Charles Woodson, Brian Greasy. Uh, you know that that team. I mean, Ernest Shazar, some of my favorite players. Uh, Chris Perry. I mean, I can go on and on. But as far as, like, if I have Dante Moore rostered in Kansas Canton Leagues, which I do, no, I do not want to see him end up at Michigan. I really don't. Wow. So, you know, what, you know, Kyrie, who out of the list of people that you've heard from, you know, that Felix talked about, who do you feel like, you know, was most notable to you that, you know, or anybody else that was most notable to you, you know, that's transferring that, uh, that you just feel like 
you know, either that's really going to be helpful or you just wonder why they did it other than the money. You know, obviously the money's a big deal. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks are at this point, some quarterbacks are going to make more than, you know, NFL quarterbacks based on NIL money. Some of these guys are making like one or $2 million and they're like, if they were on an NFL roster, they might be making like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000. I mean, it might pay to stay for a lot of these guys nowadays. But anyway, who are some of your favorites? Yeah, um, so one that really just caught me off guard was Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, at Oklahoma. And knowing that, you know, he obviously had the season that he did. Um, Sooners were you know, top 10 most of the season and, you know, obviously upset, uh, you know, one of the four playoff teams in, in Texas, right? You know I mean? I think um, just knowing the, the type of season that Dylan Gabriel had, as well as, you know, being able to help them get back to um, some of that prominence that they had, you know, during the the Lincoln Riley era, during the you know Coach Stoops era, right? Um, you know, I just was shocked to see it. You know, I, and I I know that you know his his connection to his OC is a big part of that as well. So you know, maybe that's really the biggest reason as to why you know he's making the move. But you know, I just was alarmed to see that. You know, a guy that. Obviously, you know, the, the career he had at UCF and, you know, thinking, okay, maybe if he gets you know, on a bigger stage, you know, with a, in a, at a bigger program, you know, he'll, he'll be able to really make that name for himself, hopefully climb himself up the draft boards, wherever, you know, that ends up being the case for him, you know, in the future. But, you know, I just felt that, that um, you know, just the type of season he had, um, you know, just the, the, the way he looked this year, you know, obviously he had put up a lot of numbers at UCF, but you know, this was by far his best season as a, as a college player. So, you know, it was definitely interesting to see that. So, uh, yes, Dylan Gabriel, you mentioned his offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy. Jeff Levy was hired as the head coach at Mississippi State. Everybody expects for Dylan Gabriel to end up there. But Dylan Gabriel's being quartered by USC and uh, Oregon. So we don't know how it's going to turn out, but – but here, but when I mentioned ripple effects, so Dylan Gabriel's gone. That makes five star out of what Denton, Texas, Jackson Arnold, uh, the easy air apparent. Jackson Arnold is a top six or seven quarterback in my rankings. If you remember Matt Corral coming out of Ole Miss, he reminds me a lot of Matt Corral from a size and play style perspective, but not with the recklessness or, um, pure arm strength of Matt Corral's game. Matt Corral, even late in the uh, uh, in his last season at, at Ole Miss, was a very willing runner in the read option game. Um, Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy's offenses both rely heavily on RPOs. Jackson Arnold, that's what he does. And he's also, you know, six foot, six foot willing runner, can run on, also had a 4.5 GPA coming out as a national player of the year, coming out of Denton, Texas. And that's with Arch Manning also in the class. Arch Manning, Dante Moore, Nico, Ian Wale, all those guys uh, in the class. So, yes, Dylan Gabriel is gone. But we are so excited that we get to see Jackson Arnold and maybe even be the starter in their bowl game against um, Arizona. I think they play Arizona, which should be which should be a lot of fun in the Alamo Bowl, if I remember correctly. So is there mm-hmm. anybody else, Felix, that you would feel – really benefits from some of these major transfer names or you know um that that have moved on who's who else benefits in addition to jackson arnold 
Uh, that's, that's a good that's a good question. So, um, oh, Kyle McCord leaves Ohio State. There's that meme that who, there's that meme that's like, who? What opinion has you like this? Where you're surrounded by swords, or you're talking to a crowd, and you're like, yes, you're wrong. Well, I have that opinion about uh, he's going to be a junior next year, Devin Brown. Devin Brown, um, out of Corner Canyon High School in Utah. It's the same high school that produced Zach Wilson, Jackson Dart at Old Miss. There's one other quarterback that I'm forgetting. Um, anyway, will he and, play football and, even if his offensive line isn't strong? Yeah, I think I think okay, he will. I, just want to make I sure. think he will. All right, but he was just a player who's unafraid to throw the ball. I love aggressive downfield passers. I love them. I love them. Even if they throw intercept, Matthew Stafford who spent a lot of his time in Detroit. Sure. Aggressive downfield passer, he would turn the ball over. But who? Can, yeah, yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, when you take chances, I love those players that take chances. He does. He can move. Um, he hasn't gotten the opportunity to start. Now, he, he he was the backup. So technically, with Kyle McCord in the transfer portal, Devin Brown is the starter. But but Ohio State seems to be in the running for some of these other big name quarterback so but if you're talking about another name that's one that I would be that I would be looking toward towards because he still has a high ceiling and in that offense he would have an extreme again we would have a high street a high ceiling and again and, and he's he's a dual threat he can run the ball now Ryan Day has not allowed his quarterbacks to run try to make Justin Fields a pure pocket passer even with all that athleticism he seems to have relaxed a little bit on that and if if he can if if Devin Brown you know can unlock that in him to a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun in 2024 for Ohio State so I, I would have to throw that name out there as far as far as a player who stands to gain if 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 Ohio State doesn't go get Cam Ward or Will Howard or um, or Dante Moore another one of these big name quarterbacks in the transfer portal then can then Devin Brown has a lot to a lot to gain. Okay, so I like where this was going, where you talked about all swords pointing at you. So we're going to start off, Kyrie, with with our trio of questions here about who's a player that you really think you should like more, but you just can't. So that when you say them, you're like, you just imagine everyone's swords pointing in your direction when you bring up their name. I've been waiting for this one. Um, you know, I, you know, especially as an offensive line guy, um, you know, been really tuned into a lot of the tackles. I will say too about this coming class. I feel like there's a ton of tackles, a ton of um, tackles that are going to be you know NFL players and guys that um, have should have long NFL careers, let alone potentially be Pro Bowl, All Pro type players. Um, one guy that I I I understand the love for him, but I think it's a little too much is Joe Alt um, from Notre Dame. Okay. You know, I, I I totally I totally hear it. Prototypical size. He's got the NFL lineage. Again, very good player, but you know, having watched him on tape, he plays a little too tall for my liking. Um, I think he could, you know, get a little bit more bend in his knee, you know, as well. And you know, again, like it, it's also the tough thing about a prospect like him, you know, very similar to Marvin Harrison Jr., right? You know, he's been the, the golden goose since last year. Everybody's been talking about Joe Alt ever since he came into the lineup for Notre Dame in 2021. Um, you know, and obviously he's 
you know, been an All-American and, you know, has, has had all the accolades and, and things of that nature. But I personally think there are some tackles that are more scheme, uh, not as scheme dependent as he is. I, I personally think he's going to be a guy that needs to be in a zone-based scheme, um, not necessarily relying heavily on gap uh, schemes. Um but you know, a guy that's going to have to play in a, in a pass happy or pass heavy offense as well, just because you know, that's his best skill set. Um, but you still got to be able to put your hand in the dirt and, and knock guys off the ball. And again, he's very good, very good. But you know, in a class of offensive tackles that are also very good and deep, you know, to to say he's head and shoulders above some of these guys when there's Graham Barton out there, when there's um, you know Tyler Guyton out there, when there's uh, Talisi Fuaga out there. Like, there are so many names that I personally think are just as good, if not potentially have the, the upside to be better. Um, you know, it is what it is. But there's also one other name, and I and I hate to, you know, to cheat on the exercise here, but, you know, just st- sticking with this theme of these offensive tackles and, um, you know, another offensive lineman that, again, getting a lot of hype, a lot of praise, and I totally get it. The prototypical size, you know, measurables and things of that nature. Um, but at the same time, too, I, I don't necessarily think his tape always lives up to the expectation of you know what you know, people are saying about another player. And that's Jordan Morgan. Um, I think Morgan again, very similar. Where love those measurables, but I just think there's something missing. You know, I think there's. You know, it's it's the old adage of, you know, does he have that dog in him? And, you know, I think he has the ability to, you know, knock guys off the ball and he has the ability to stay in front of guys and pass pro and things of that nature. But um, just from the tape that I watched, you know, I, I, I was I was ready to, you know, fully invest and dive into, okay, this is, you know, one of the best guys in the country. And, again, he is very good, but, I, I just see a ceiling that he hasn't reached yet, you know. So, and I and I think that's where I where I'm at with those two guys is, you know, both of them are very good now, and I think people are projecting as to what they could be once they get to the league. But um, I just don't. I just think there are a couple more finished products right now um, that NFL teams will be adding to their rosters next season. That's a, those are some great points. And just out of curiosity, I mean, you know, certainly one of the big rubs with scouting, you, you know, is, you know, do you, is the idea of projecting talent, you know, projecting it forward. That's probably the most difficult part of scouting is that, you know, do you, where do you take the finished product over the, the guy who has maybe the, the, the higher ceiling to project there? What are some things like from an offensive line standpoint that you feel like people take the chance on projectable wise that maybe they should, they go a little overboard with and what are some qualities that are a little safer um, that you look at and say this should be probably a little bit more important than it, than than the priority is because people get excited about those projectable skills. Absolutely. So I, I think the the very first thing in terms of a of a you know an attribute that gets a little overrated, um, I think is size. You know, naturally people see big numbers and think, oh, man, he's, he's got to be, you know, elite. Um, you know, some of the best offensive tackle watches that I saw this year were from guys that were, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say tweeners, but wouldn't they didn't have the prototypical size of, a, of an Amarius Mims or the Tyler Guyton, 
know, the Joe Alt, right? Is um, there a minimum size, though, that you feel like you've got to do that to punch your ticket in the NFL to be a starter? It's just it's it's just not necessarily bigger is better. Is is that kind of what it is? There's, like, diminishing definitely. returns at that point. Yeah, most definitely. Okay. I think, um, you know, with some guys, I think especially at tackle, I mean, obviously that's a that's a length and athleticism position, you know. So if you got guys that are in that six five, six six, six seven range, I mean, nine times out of ten, that's the size you want. Um, but I mean, there there still are Rashawn Slaters of the world, right? You know, so I, I think that gets a little overblown in terms of the height and weight measurement of it. Um, the arm length, I think, is a more important thing to to take note of when it comes to that. Now, as far as an attribute. That I think is a little, um, you know, underrated is, you know, I mean, plain and simple, just being able to, you know, attack as the point of attack, you know, being able to knock guys off the ball, um, being able to really establish that dominance um, in the trenches, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Um, at the end of the day, is, you know, you can pass all you want to, you can be as great of a pass protector as you want to be, but if you're not able to line up and, literally shift the guy in front of you I mean that that's the game comes down to blocking and tackling at the end of the day um, and being able to run block guys is so important you know so you know I think I'm a little old school when it comes to that um, aspect of, of the game but at the same time so we, you know and this is coming from someone who my game was always more I was more of a pass blocker than a run blocker but you know I, I take note of those guys who yeah, they're great in the pass pro, but they can bring it in the run game just as much too. Yeah, that makes only makes sense, and you, that complete game so important, you know, at that at that next level, and especially it seems like the way that um, NFL teams are kind of diversifying their run games a little bit more. I mean, since Cover Two has taken it by storm, you've seen a lot more gap plays, you, you know, than what you used to see in the past. You know, so um, you know it's definitely certainly a different style of 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 play and i know that's an offensive lineman's favorite in many cases but also you know in the nfl they used to say oh well we we can't run power and trap all the time i mean we you have to be dominant to do that but now the conditions have changed so true and to be completely honest with you like think about most of the best teams in the league the eagles san francisco 49ers baltimore ravens detroit lions yeah, yeah, I was getting, you know, I was getting to you, Felix. So, you know, all those, all those teams, all, you know, top 10 offenses in the NFL, and all of them are either run first or balanced in, in the aspect of run versus pass. So, you know, I know it's a passing league now, but, you know, you still got to line them up and, and, and knock those guys down in front of you. No, that's absolutely. So, Felix, who's the, who's the guy that you like that, that you're just like, uh, or, or the guy, actually the guys that you don't like that, or it's the guy that you don't like as much as you think you should. I mean, so you and I had a conversation about this player and it's Keon Coleman for me. Okay. Um, it's, it's Keon Coleman because I think if this was 1998 Keon Coleman, I would be a big fan of Keon Coleman, but I've seen one too many Nikhil Harry, and it just really scares me. Now, I was looking at a draft 
Now, Keon Coleman was a known product in our circles because he played both basketball and football at Michigan State. And and it's more impressive to play basketball at Michigan State. That means you're a rare uh, athlete. I was looking at my draft from 2021, and I actually took him in the 11th round of a 15-round uh, freshman draft. So it's a great you know value from that perspective. But when I look at his game, you know, he just doesn't offer the twitch and route running ability that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy uh, on the inside. He seems more like a contested catcher. He seems more like like um, a player that you're going to put in the boundary and kind of throw it up to. And I don't think that the NFL does that anymore. I don't think that the, unless you are just a super like prime Des Bryant. I don't know that the NFL does that anymore because everyone's trying to get the high percentage play and that profile of player it doesn't seem like the NFL is comfortable with or doesn't believe that that is a you know a high percentage play to throw that ball to that player. Um, the NFL wants to see separation. Quarterbacks don't want to turn the ball over. So it's Keon Coleman for me, and I've actually been struggling because I've been tr- trying to figure out, you know, how should I package this dude to trade him away in some leagues and, you know, to trade a wide receiver with a potential first-round grade that I'm seeing for Keon Coleman. That's like no small, small feat. But there, there, there's just – I know that I, I've talked to you about him. We did an episode on uh, on our the Camp Scan podcast feed on him, the NIL feed. And even then, it just didn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy. And I've seen, you know, the spectacular one-handed catches behind his back and all of that when Johnny Wilson was out. And I know that he has some punt returns this year. But you know what? So did Nikhil Harry. So did Nikhil Harry, who was returning punts uh, there at, at uh, Arizona State. So um, it's that's that's the one that's the one for me that I'm just not I'm not sure about so let me follow up with you about this because I think it's a I think you know that's a fun one so you talked about you know the whole style of play and why that may not work out in the NFL um, and I and I certainly feel that but then I guess that begs another question you know an, another player who seemed to be that type of player and played at Michigan Nico Collins you know if you look at Nico Collins he was not a two steps on a guy type of player he was very much a contested catch player and when you watched him this year what really opened up is there's so much zone that's being played the way they use him in that system seems to be a lot of like dig routes and deeper routes where the defender's playing outside shade and he basically gets those in-breaking routes whether it's a skinny post a dig over routes things like that where they they can win with the speed that he has um so so my question to you is one is that do you think Ken coleman could fit maybe in that type of a system and then two there's another player that i see a lot of contested catches on his resume and i don't see a lot of like beating them by three to five you know three to four steps in the college game and some people are talking about him like he is the best wide receiver that has ever come out and rome. and you know rome it's it's rome roma dunes i wasn't thinking roma dunes a oh okay i was thinking okay. marvin harrison jr yeah 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 you know yeah so yeah 
So if we're, I mean, are, is it, am, am I off base? What do you think about it? I mean, would you look at Marvin Harrison Jr. and say, okay, that's different than Keon Coleman. Like there's some, there's some I do think, there. I think that Marvin Harrison Jr. can t- turn a corner a little bit faster than, than, um, than Keon Coleman can. And I think that the athleticism between the two, I do th- like the specifically in the uh, shuttle drill. I think that you know Marvin Harrison Jr. would be a lot faster on that acceleration stop, ex- accelerate back than Keon Cole would be. With regard to what you said about um, Nico Collins, yeah, if you're going to run uh, Keon Coleman on crossers, or you know on mesh, and he's that guy running across the, the field, and, and and it's man, and he's got a cornerback trailing behind him and he catches the ball turning up field i'm not gonna want to tackle him at you know 215 pounds or whatever it is but i don't know that you can always project i mean so it reminds me of how calvin johnson was used early on so early on if you remember if folks remember mike martz was the offensive coordinator they were lining up him him up outside he was always getting double teamed it wasn't until they brought him into the slot and gave him a two-way go that he started to be productive like that first first season that he was absolutely productive i guess what i'm saying here is is that i don't i can't guarantee that a a player who's going to be dependent on usage is actually going to be used that way i wish i could think of another example off of the top of my head but there are some of those players that are just like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a good example you know Clyde, Clyde glorified wide receiver you know not somebody who's gonna run between the between the tackles I just I can't you know I think that if we're gonna ask Keon Coleman to run hitch and goes I, I, I don't know if I don't know that that's not necessarily gonna work if we're gonna ask him to run you know comeback routes with as as athletic as um as these cornerbacks are, I don't know if that's going to work, but something where he can keep his momentum going in the same direction. All the routes that you mentioned there, by the way, those are all those types of routes. I think that would be fine. It's just, you know, the we Antonio Brown was so good because, damn it, he could stop faster than you, he could turn faster than you, and you just couldn't catch up to him. Keon Coleman's a different a different player, and I just. He's more practical Burris than he is. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Which again, that t- harkens back to like nineteen ninety eight, two thousand one, whatever that was when Plaxico Burris was playing. So, well, you know, I already pretty much mentioned the guy that I'm going to have all sorts pointing at me about, and I'm just going to go into a little bit more detail about it. And I'll I'll say that there's a very strong possibility that I'm going to come around to think that Marvin Harrison Jr. is by far the best wide receiver prospect in this class um but well i don't think by far actually but i can come around to the idea that he's the best but right now when i watch him a lot of the things that i see even watching like this year's tape is how he catches the football how he attacks it he's great at tracking the football in difficult situations he wins a lot of contested plays he also drops more balls than you than you see on highlight film. There, you also see those drops being attributed to him not using his hands in a manner that's really going to maximize his ability to catch the fall against NFL cornerbacks who might have a little bit of an easier time or be better at um, defending some of these targets where he's making underhand catches 
or not jumping back and doing jump throughs for the ball. Jump throughs I'm talking about are when the ball's underthrown and you, you turn back to the quarterback and jump and, and high point the ball. He'll turn back and use underhand position or he'll try to just track it over his shoulder anyway in those scenarios and lean back into it and make the catch, which you put your back to the defender, that's great, um, and keeping it there. But there are plays I've seen where he lets the ball get into such a late window of a of a rival that he he either misses the pass entirely or it gets defended or it will get defended more often. At least that's one theory of it. So when I look at that, and then I look at the routes that they run at Ohio State, and I go, okay, so look, it didn't hurt Garrett Wilson. It didn't hurt Chris Olave. It certainly didn't hurt Jackson Smith and Jigba. So, you know, are we going to get too, you know, we going to get too, um, you know, nitpicky about what routes he did or didn't run and, and whether he can or not? Certainly pro days will help with that. Um, but, you know, the way he's used feels more like a 1990s receiver than it does, say, when I watch a certain prospect down south here, you know, in the boot, who I think is, you know, who I'll lead off and say, I like, this is the guy I'll pound the table for. And that's Malik Neighbors. I think Malik Neighbors right now, I mean, I may, I may have I, Marvin Harrison make junior may catch Malik neighbors. And I'm watching like, as we're, we were talking, I was watching Marvin Harrison senior highlights. Cause I just wanted to see if dad had the same like catching proclivities of like using underhand position where he shouldn't have like in, in, and sure enough he did like, so like dad and son might have like some of the same kind of, kind of things and it worked very well for them you know and and far be it for me anytime i hear steve smith open his mouth about a wide receiver i tend to listen he's probably the only guy i probably listen to as on a consistent basis when it comes to that stuff and he loves marvin harrison jr so i'm you know but at the same time you know i i think he's going to be a very good player i just wonder just the hype when i hear the buzz greatest of all time you know or randy moss like or aj green like as a georgia kid watching aj green go up against guys like barry eric barry and you know and and show that kind of thing i don't know i i still have a good bit more to watch so that may change we'll have a change my mind segment probably in a few months but right now malik neighbors when i watch malik neighbors um, what he does at the line of scrimmage to win the 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 library of moves that he has to be able to put together routes he shows more as a route runner right now on tape um, he's tough as nails at the catch point and he's technically sound at the catch point and I like what he does after the catch and I'm just I'm totally enamored with this kid's game I mean like to me um it's right now for me and again i've got three or four more months before i come out with the rsp which again if you want to pre-order it's available for 1995 at matt going into its 19th year um but right now malik neighbors is like head and shoulders above everybody on my board um and the and when i look at you know again there's you know ohio state has a great history of receivers but and we don't. And I'm not talking about logo scouting as much. Um, 
as much as I'm talking about like proficiency. You know, Ohio State gets great athletes at receiver too, who tend to be more technically sound than what you see um, maybe in every aspect of what a receiver can show. Um, though they certainly do plenty enough there. But at LSU, you know, we've had a, quite a history of guys as well. And and when I look at neighbors, I think he's I think he's leapfrog Boutte. I think he's leapfrog um, Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall is a prospect, and I think he's I think he may be up there. I don't think he's at Jamar Chase, but I think he might be. I think he might be closer to Justin Jefferson than people realize. Above Jarvis Landry. Yes, yes, okay. and I love Jarvis Landry too, but. Yeah, above him only because of what oh. he can do. Over Odell? No, but he no. But I loved Odell coming out, and I would say, you know, probably Jarvis Odell. I'm not excuse me, Jamar Odell and 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 you know Justin Jefferson, great. But I don't think Neighbors is as far behind those guys as uh, as some people may realize. So yeah, that's mine. So, so Kyrie, who is yours that you're like? I may be like I'm. I'd pound the table for this guy if the the workouts. I mean, excuse me, if the off field checks out. Yeah, I love the the neighbors uh, pick there. He, he to me, he's the second coming of Devonte Adams. Like it's just uh, man, I can't even love his game. But I'm sticking with the trenches, man. I, I got to go back to it, and you know, I, I mentioned this guy a little bit earlier. Um, but, you know, having watched his tape and seeing how he performed against, um, you know, several um, potential top or, you know, future um, first round picks in the Pac-12 this past season. Um, and that's uh, Talisi uh, Balaga from uh-huh. Oregon State, right tackle there. Um, I mean, he just has it all, checks every box. He's, you know, again, has the measurables, but. I mean, his game is so technically sound. He's nasty. You know, he he's a great pass protector as well. Um, you know, I think, you know, just seeing what he was able to do for that Beavers offense this year, you know, DJU, you know, had some really good moments throughout this season. Obviously, it didn't, you know, pan out perfectly for, for them um, in, in, you know, in the Pac-12 this season. But, you know, I just feel like you know, the type of player that he is, you know, I think he could really transition from, right tackle to left tackle in the NFL as well. You know, he's got really strong hands, got quick feet. Um, and I like his frame, too. He's he's not overly – it's hard to – I don't know how else to say this, but he's not built sloppy. You yeah. know what I mean? He's – he's um, he carries his weight well. And, you know, I think he's a guy that – you know, he, he he's a guy it's almost hard to tell how, you know, big he – of a guy he is, you know, he, he's actually listed at, um, six, five, or I'm sorry, hold on a second, this isn't sure, but yeah, he, he's definitely got a lot more size to him than you would imagine. And I think he, um, is a guy that again, has the versatility to play, um, either side of the ball, but I, or either side of the line. But I also think he, um, can play in a lot of different schemes. You know, he, Again, he, he's a really, really solid, really solid run blocker. Like, that was what really stood out to me right off the bat. But he was so comfortable in pass pro, too. Um, and, again, you know, th- this is a guy that is in, in a class that is super deep. But, 
you know, he's the one guy to me, you know, doing it on at a level against, you know, future NFL players. You know, I think that that's got to stand for something. Um, arguably the best conference in college football this past year. So, um, yeah, it's Lucy Fulaga for sure. Nice. Well, Felix, who's yours that you'd pound the table for? Uh, this is very easy. It would be Lad McConkey, the Georgia wide receiver, um, who, you know, has been injured all season, but you saw him making t- tough catches in the SEC championship game. He can play outside. He can run routes. He can return punts when he's healthy. Uh, he probably projects as as a slot wide receiver at the next level, but, uh, you know, he can, he, can, he can play because he's white. People don't give him credit for his athleticism. And I think that he is going to prove to be – like he's a he's a he's a three star athlete who was playing quarterback in high school, um, uh, you know before he made the switch to wide receiver. I mean he's going to go to the combine and test fine. But regardless of that, I mean there's this play two or three weeks ago where he ran an out and up and left. I mean you talk about like six seven yards of separation. The cornerback had to pick up his pants before he could recover. So I and and uh, again the thing that I like about him. Especially, you don't. We don't. You don't have to be really tough as a wide receiver anymore because they can't hit you over the middle. They get flagged for it, but you still you still see it happen occasionally, and it happens to him. And he still hangs on to the ball. This dude is tough, and he has to be tough to have been a three star recruit. Okay, to go to Georgia and command a starting position with the recruits that Georgia gets. I love lad me, me some lad McConkey. I'm I'm upset that we didn't get to see him healthy a full year, and we don't even know if he's going to declare for the NFL draft. He is a third year player; he could go back. But um, again, just super super versatile. Can play inside, can play outside, can win deep on the outside if you need him to. Can catch the ball over the middle if you need him to catch the ball and get hit, take a hit for a first down. I mean, I, I if you need a tough catch, you can get it from Lad McConkey. I think he can th- play all three wide receiver positions. He can, you can also use him on punt returns. What else is there not to like ab- about this guy? I mean, I, I love me some lad. Nice. You know, I would add Ricky Pearsall to that conversation of guys that probably aren't going to get as much love as they, as they probably should. But, uh, but certainly I think they're both in that, in that range. So Felix, let's, let's just, let's just bookend this again and, and talk about who you like, maybe a little more than you should i i just i try to come up with answers that i haven't said before but for the last since november of 2020 the very first episode of the debbie debate i've been talking about michael Penix jr and he is now a heisman trophy finalist (laughs) this feels like the biggest shoot from deep you know victory that i've had he has the knee injuries he is for some reason he's better like between 15 and 20 yards than he is between like five and eight yards down the field. I, but the level of difficulty is on his throws. You talk about toughness at Indiana. This dude was getting punched in the mouth over and over again. You watched that Ohio state game and still delivering the ball downfield. And I said earlier that I like aggressive downfield passers. Michael Penix Jr. has been that since 2020 and has 
either slayed giants or nearly slayed a lot of giants again at at indiana at 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 washington they've just played excellent he's had the talent to kind of match his ability uh there surrounding him um this would be one this would be one for me but it feels a lot like and matt i know you like this guy it's carson strong coming out of nevada what two two years ago now carson strong had i think worse knee injuries than worse knee problems than uh, Michael Penix Jr. does because Michael Penix Jr., you see him leave the pocket and and occasionally uh, he'll take off, not all the time, but he will. Um, So it's, man, that left hand on him is an absolute rifle. And again, I think you you have to have a certain mentality as a quarterback. Like you have to see that window downfield and pull the trigger without really second guessing or um, hesitating. You have to be unafraid. And Michael Penix Jr. ain't scared of nothing. He is not scared of anything. So is he going to be a first-round quarterback? No, I don't think so. I think the the um, the injury and the inconsistency in the intermediate game are probably going to keep him out of the first round. But I don't – Andy Dalton wasn't a first-round quarterback. Derek Carr wasn't a first-round quarterback. I mean, Drew Brees wasn't a first-round quarterback. I mean, so that doesn't bother yeah. me at all. The Who? Yeah, I mean, Dak it Prescott. just doesn't. Dak Prescott, fourth round. Jalen yeah. Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. It just doesn't matter yep. to me. I, you, we can talk about all the physical tools, and he has them. I mean, he has one of the strongest arms in the country. But it is really, I mean, I don't really know how to describe it other than than toughness. You know, that football player thing, where. Yep, you hit me in the mouth. It didn't hurt me. I still delivered the ball to Ty Freifogel or Wap Fillier or now Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze down the field. I'm that dude. That's what Michael Penix Jr. is. And, like, I'm so glad that he's in the playoff. I'm so glad that he's a Heisman Trophy uh, finalist. I mean, this has been a long ride, uh, Michael Penix Jr. And, um, well, take you your know, lap. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I was mocked and ridiculed. Teased and made fun of because of my love for this left-handed uh, 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 rifleman, rifle, rifle, rifleman out of Indiana. Who's watching quarterbacks in Indiana saying they're good? You know what? Back in 2020, I was saying that. You certainly were, and you were you were coming on here, and I mean, like, <laughs> if 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 he weren't as good as if he weren't as good as you said, I'd be sick of you talking about him. But like, he is. I mean, he really is. He really is. I mean, right now, I'll be, I mean, honestly, right now, he's top quarterback on my board. Um, now, I've got other guys. Two years in a row, Matt. <laughs> Two years in a row. Anthony Richardson last year, Michael Pettis Jr. this year. Oh, man, this makes so, me feel so So, bad. we'll see. We're not going to mention Zach Wilson. Though. See, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, two out of three ain't bad. You're making amends for your Zach Wilson your Zach Wilson thing. But, uh, yeah, Pennix is going to be up there for sure. Um, when it's all over with, I mean, certainly, I'm sure Caleb Williams will probably have something to say in that. In that, um, certainly, you know, maybe even Bo Nix. I don't know. I, I Bo Nix would probably be a guy that I that would be a candidate for me as someone that I might like a little more than I should, especially when I come when I think he's like what people thought they saw when they saw Mitchell Trubisky. I actually kind of think Bo Nix has a little bit of that to him. Um, but I'm going to roll, I'm going to roll with his running with the guy he's thrown the ball to in Troy Franklin. I may like him a little bit more than I should just yet. Um, only because I look at Troy and he's six three, one eighty seven, 
And, you know, I still want to see a little bit more from him as a route runner, um, a little bit more from him in terms of, oh, just what he can do at the catch point. I've seen some promise with that. But I'm afraid that I may, I, I have a little more tape to watch because I'm afraid I may be extrapolating a little bit more than I should until I've seen enough on tape. But I think this guy might be one of the best four to five receivers, um, you, you know, available in this draft class and be a sneaky version of that. Um, there's there's a lot to this guy's game that I like, and, I, and he has some skill tracking the football. But, you know, Oregon's offense, get a little worried about. I get a little worried about what I don't get to see with 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 some players in that regard. Um, but I like Franklin. I'm I'm start I'm feeling a little infatuation with him as I'm watching him today. Um, so that will that may change as I get to watch a little bit more into the night. But after a few games, I was um, you know I I'm I'm wondering if I should like him a little more if I like him should like him a little less than I actually do right now. And you know usually people don't catch me in the first blushes of a game watching someone to where I'm I'm feeling this way so I can hide it. You know, we the campus to Canton has been around long enough where we're starting to have classes that we've literally watched their entire career and like you know profiles on them and everything. And I remember distinctly, you know, before their freshman years, we did a mock draft. And I think Troy Franklin is from like Long. I know he's from California. I don't know if he's from Long Beach or somewhere like that. But you watch his high school tape. And he was returning punts. He was faster than everybody. He was also doing a lot of jet sweeps. Uh, in high school, they don't use him that way, but in high school, they were using him that way. And uh, I, I just remember, ta- I remember taking him, and it's just so to come full circle here, you know, three years later or whatever it is. He's a class of 2020. Um, that's why I got to get you in the campus to can league, Matt, because you would, I think you would just have so much fun with the early projection of some of these guys. Um, you would have and Kyrie you too it's just so much fun yeah and certainly if you're listening out there to you know and haven't gotten into a campus to Canton league certainly do so because you get to play both sides the NFL version and the college football together which is just such an awesome thing to have players like Troy Franklin or Marvin Harrison Jr. migrate to your pro roster you know after you've done the due diligence because you know Felix is sitting here you know I, I would think that Felix must have a team. He's probably got a cooler name than this because this is just a bad dad name, but like the Felix's Penix, Penixes, you know, kind of thing. See, that that could be an awful like dad having too many beer names, but right there. But uh, but really, it's, you know, the, the satisfaction you get of being able to have a guy that you believe in and watch their game grow to the point that now they're going to be an early round pick. So, you know, definitely check out C, you know, C2C campus to Canton.com and, uh, you know, play both sides. So, Kyrie, who is the guy that you feel like you maybe like a little more than you should? I do have to say, shout out to Michael Penix. Um, he, you know, wonderful season. Is um, I actually got to uh, vote for the, the Heisman Trophy this past week. I can't reveal who I voted for, but I will say. Michael Penix definitely deserves See, his, we his, have an official Heisman voter on our <laughs> staff today. See, look at that. Look at that. Had to had to note that. 
Um, now, going from one major college football award to another, um, my prospect that I like a little bit more than I probably should is the Burlesworth uh, Trophy winner, and that's Cody Schrader, running back from Mizzou. Um, what a season he had this year, man. I mean, it's fun to see him tear the SEC apart the way he did. And, um, you know, it, it brings me back to my childhood watching guys like Darren McFadden and, um, you know, some of those other SEC, top SEC backs that, you know, really just ran roughshod on the, the conference. And, you know, I think, of course, you know, he, he's, um, you know, a, a little bit undersized, you know, white running back. You know, so he's got a narrative that he's already facing. Um, you know, he's already he's only been clocked at running a four six forty, but the guy's tough as nails. He, you know, again has, has showed showed improvement as a receiver. Um, I mean, he he's not. I wouldn't say he's a blazer by any by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but he definitely can make guys miss. And you know, I just think again that tough nose, um, downhill attitude. Again, that's something you can't um, just discredit, you know. Obviously, guys like A.J. Dillon, um, you know, that haven't had the best of, of um, experiences in the NFL over the past couple of years, but when things have rolled with him like they did on Sunday night against the uh, the or against the uh, Chiefs, you know, that's a lot to, to, to account for, you know. So I'm not saying Cody Schrader is going to be the workhorse back that he's been for the Tigers this past season, but – you can't tell me that that guy's not going to go to an NFL team and contribute in some form or fashion. You know, whether that's, you know, as a, you know, number two back, as a goal line back, you know, as a special teamer even. But, you know, I think he's a guy that, again, he he's shown that, you know, when you give him the ball, he knows how to pick, make people miss. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see what ends up happening with him once he gets to the league. But, you know, it'll be a fun uh, watch going through his entire um, 2023 tape, you know, as we get into the draft process from here. I love it. So let me ask you this as a as a person who loves running back play and wishes that he was a running back in, in another life is would would you say that Schrader would it, that some people who are more casual fans describe him as a plotter in the way that you would describe Dylan the way you would describe oh, who else? Frank Gore um, LeGarrette Blunt, guys like that. All right. So, see, if that's the case, then, I, you know, my fantasy would be to own a team where I would just have guys like that who just bleed teams dry slowly until they're basically making business decisions by the end of the third quarter. Like that to me would be that those are the running backs I like because they actually have skill. It's not just speed. It's it's legit skill. Um, so, no, I feel you because I was always an A.J. Dillon fan because, you know, but I, I've always get I always get harangued by the by some some folks publicly because they say, you like these slow running backs. You like these guys who, you know, they're you know, you err on the side of the slow of the slow guy, you know. But um, to me, it's it is it's you know, it's certainly with the spread game, the speed is a is a big issue. But to me, it's like if you can win running inside, you win football. You win football games. I mean, that's that's much that's much harder to con to def contend with than to me than like a speedster who can win on one play but can't figure out what direction to go 
because they don't read blocks. They don't read their keys. You know, I mean, like, give me A.J. Dillon over Anthony McFarlane types over and over and over again, you know, but that's just, you know, that's just my thought on it. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. And, and, and it's tough because, you know, for every Chris Johnson and for every um, Jamal Charles out there, there there is a, um, man, like you like said. A like a truckload of guys who need a compass to find their way into a hole. 100%, you know, I mean, and, and, and I also think, um, you know, especially just knowing the way the running back position has been devalued. And I mean, I think I even think back to a guy like like a Trent Richardson, right, who, again, huge name in college, you know, a guy, obviously a first round pick, you know, I'm not saying I would have done that if I was the Cleveland Browns, but, you know, here we are. And I, I think just the fact that, you know, he struggled and he was more of a, you know, that plotting, you know, thumper type of back, right? Um, you know, that, then you really saw like an emphasis of getting to the speed, a lot of those guys. But, you know, again, like, like you mentioned, there, there's, there's something to be said for knowing a guy is running the ball or getting the ball on third and one, and you really can't stop it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, a Gus Edwards, I think, for, uh, for example, he hasn't, nobody would say that Gus Edwards, is one of the five, ten best backs in the NFL. But when you have him playing in a system like the Baltimore Ravens, where you know what they're going to do, they're going to line it up, they're going to, you know, have five, six, seven guys on the line of scrimmage ready to run the ball down your throat. I mean, and he's a a, a, a big physical back. That's something you got to bring your lunch pail for, you know? So I really do think that Schrader, he's not – quite quite um 100 in that mold in terms of he doesn't have the, the height of some of these guys but um he's got that dumper mentality and he just brings it really so i'm excited to see where he ends up and you know don't don't discredit a guy just because of how he looks you know never judge a book by his cover because that guy right there has a lot more game than you would realize you got to just put the tape on and see it nice Felix, anything to add? Any any parting thoughts? Uh, Cody Schrader like won you championships because he finished the season so damn strong. I mean, you're talking about like 30 carry games for 250 yards or whatever it was. He absolutely exploded uh, at the end uh, at the end of the season. Now I haven't watched him specifically, but I mean, hey, I rely on Kyrie's opinion there. I know he was putting up those points uh, there at the end of the season, so. Um, that's it on him. That's it on him. If we're ending the show, if we're ending the show, I'm yeah. encouraging folks to uh, to go to the Campus of Kent YouTube page and subscribe. We're trying to get to 3,000 before the end of the year, which is a ridiculous goal, but we're trying to get there. So I think, I, hey, look, it, it should be possible with the with the quality of content and the quality of work that they do over there. So definitely check out Campus to Canton. dot com. Check out Kyrie Demos and the work that he's doing at the RSP. We've got. You know, a, you know, really, what, 12, 13 weeks worth of articles of, you know, multiple prospects that we saw a lot of them we talked about today, um, you know, ranging from in the trenches on both sides of the ball to, you know, skill players. I hate using that term, but the, you know, the guys who touch the ball. Yeah. On a rate, yeah. Skill players with the with quotes. And then, you know, if you want to check out more of those guys in depth, 
as well you know you can you can also mosey over to mattwaldman.com and you know get the rookie scouting portfolio um you know certainly if uh you know if scouts get it you know if you're a fantasy player you might like getting it yourself too so um on behalf of Kyrie, on behalf of felix and on behalf of my other personality thanks again for uh tuning in and we will see you in a couple of weeks <laughs>